The following audio is a sermon preached by one of our pastors at Restoration Church in St. Mary's, Georgia. We pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to you deeply with this message. Well, this morning I want to I wanted to dress in the apparel that I earned at the race last week at this big 5K that I ran. And um, so I, I decided on a whim to run this race. And so I first thing I did was that I went out and I got some shoes. I got these Sakani shoes because you got to have the right shoes. And they put me on this machine, and they hooked up this video camera to it, and they showed me my form. And I thought I looked good. I, I saw the camera, and the guy goes, that's not good. And I was like, it looked good to me. He goes, no, man, your form is all, all, all over the place. He says, you're running like a duck. I said, okay. What do we want to do? He goes, well, first we got to find you the right shoes. You're in the wrong shoes. And what I was wearing was a pair of these Reeboks that have these little New, it's, like a, it's got like a ball up underneath it. It's supposed to be good for your, it's supposed to build your calves. It's supposed to make you rock a little bit. And he goes, where did where'd you get those? And I said, Fred's. He goes, you know you can't run in those shoes. And I was like, no, I know that. I'm here to get some shoes. I, he goes, how much were you looking to spend? I said, I don't know, $49.99? He goes, you're at the wrong store. And I said, okay, well, that's about all I got. And he goes, well, we'll see what we can do. So I walk out of the place with a $115 pair of shoes. And the first thing Luke Gardell says to me, and he says, Dad, you just wasted $115 plus the gas to get down here plus the food money we just spent to eat out coming down here and my time. And I thought, who are you and where did you come from? I said, I'm going to do this, Luke. And it's like 9,000 degrees outside. It's summertime. I'm sweating. I'm just getting it, you know, but I've been back in the gym. I'm back in the gym, and I'm working out, and I'm drinking my milk, and I'm getting strong, and I'm, I'm ready to do this thing. And so a month goes by, and, and the friend that I'm running the race with, uh, Jeremy, says to me, he goes, uh, how's it coming? How you doing? I said, man, I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. And Luke goes, he hasn't even run outside yet. And I said, man, just be quiet. It's none of your business what I'm doing. I'm training at my pace. And so I've been on the, I've been on the walker. I'm walking. You know, I got my tunes in. I'm getting it. And I'm coming home, and I got my shorts on. And I'm, t- I'm showing my wife. I'm going, check out the guns. Look at the calves. She goes, that's great, honey. That's just great. She goes, I said, just do yourself a favor. On the day of the race, just have 911 dialed up in your phone ready to hit send, because I may not be coming home from this thing. Now listen, folks, I prepared for this race. I got into the race, and I thought to myself, why in the world did I ever say yes? What was I thinking when I told Jeremy I'd run the race with him? I mean, there's other ways you can spend time with someone before they move. There's tons of other things we could have done. We could have taken a trip up to Bass Pro Shops and hung out walking around looking at the fish, looking at all the camo. We could have had a blast, and we could have had a great lunch together, and I could have felt really good about that. And so I thought, man, now I'm in this thing. I'm stuck. I've told the guy I'm going to run, and I know if I would have told him that, hey, listen, man, I, I, I jumped out. I jumped out somewhere where I shouldn't have jumped out. I jumped out into a place that I shouldn't have gone. He would have been okay with it. He probably would have said, yeah, that's okay, <clears throat> Pansy. That's okay. 
everything's fine. He'd probably be pansy. He probably, and I knew that's what he would have been thinking. You can't go to a friend. You can't go to somebody and say, hey, I'm, on, I'm just going to, I know what I said, but I'm just going back out of this thing just because I, I'm afraid. And then I have him think, you know they're thinking you're a big pansy. And I'm sitting there going, he's going to think I'm a big pansy. How do I back out of this thing? How do I stop? How do I just forget it? Because there's no way I can run a race. I'm 48 stinking years old. I can't run a race. I'm not racing material. I got a gut. And so far, I've only exposed two of my abs. There's like several more in there that don't want to come out and play. And I'm going, what am I going to do? And it's getting closer and closer and closer to the race. But by golly, I'm going to the race. I'm going to go to the race. And I went to the race. And I stood there, and the Marines were doing their thing. And it was we did colors and saluting the flag. And I was excited, you know, to be there. But I thought, okay, this is where you and I go separate ways. As soon as the cannon goes off, go. Don't look back, go. No, 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 I'm going to run with you for a while. I said, go, just go. Because remember what they said? They said, all the walkers and the people in the wheelchairs stay to the far back. And I'm, there's a line. I'm almost in a wheelchair. So I'm, at the, I'm, at, I'm in the middle, and I, boom, and I've got the adrenaline running, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm in it. And I'm in it to, I'm just in it. I'm not in it to win it. I'm just in it. I'm like, Lord Jesus, if I get to the end of this race, I will praise you for the rest of my days that I didn't die that way. You can call me home however you want to, but just don't let me die like this. This will be so embarrassing in front of all these people. Man, it would just be embarrassing. And so I'm running, and I get through the first mile, and it says mile, and I go, I ran a mile. And I'm still trucking it. And I'm, I don't know. I've never run a race before, so I don't know how to navigate. I don't know how to get in between people. And I'm like, She's in my way. And I'm running, and I'm like, I'm going to trip her. So I'm like, you got to weave. You got to bob, and you got to weave. But it was really cool because I started to enjoy this thing. It was really weird. I thought, man, if I can just get through these five miles, I'm going to be in great shape. I got five miles to go. I've got five miles to go. I'm running this 5K, and I got these five miles to go, and it's five miles is in my head. I got these five miles in my head. I got to get five miles, and I'm going, I'm never going to make stinking five miles. How am I going to make five miles? And then the Marines come running by you in cadence, and they're like, you know, you're just like, yeah, I feel like a man. And I'm just sweating. <laughs> I got cramps in my legs, and I'm going, oh, what have I done? You know, but I'm going to the end. And I'm like bobbling all over the place. I'm just looking all pathetic. It's a good thing they didn't have helicopters taking pictures because I would have been on News Channel 4, and they would have said some kind of crazy man escaped from a hospital, and he was running the race today. And so I get to this one place, and it says, it says, free Gatorade. Give me all you got. And I just start grabbing them like this, and one lady, she, I hear the one lady, she goes, he's going to puke. And I go running by, and I'm like, I ain't going to puke. I just splashed it all over myself, and I just kept on running. I kept on going, and I finally, I get to this long stretch, and I'm feeling good. I mean, I'm feeling good. I never expected to feel this good. I mean, I felt so good. And I get to this place where I'm starting to blow by people. I'm catching what they call your second wind. I'm catching it. And it's really catching me. And I'm going, I like this. I want to call my wife and tell her, let's sign up for the next one together. Come on, let's run it together. <laughs> No way, man. No way. And so I get to this one corner, and this Marine looks at me, and he says, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? Keep moving. Don't you stop now. And I'm like, sir, yes, sir. And I'm just getting it. 
you know, and I'm getting it. And all of a sudden I see this thing that says finish line. I go, no way, no stinking way. And I'm like, Jerry, it's a fire. I'm like, yeah, baby. And I'm just trucking it. And I, I, I go across the finish line thing and they took a picture of me and I'm just like, it's really ugly, it's bad. And I just run across this line, and I get done, and I get the free towel, and I get the free Gatorade. I got the free Moe's Grill. I got the free everything, and I'm walking around. I'm going, man, do I feel good. I wonder what's taking Jeremy so long to do 13 miles. What is his problem? And I have, I'm just excited. I'm excited. I'm like, I want to do this again. I really want to do this again. I'm so excited about doing this again. And I, he comes in. He finally comes in. He's done. He's just like, Man, I beat my time by 15 minutes. And I was like, yeah, I came in halfway. He goes, how'd you do? I said, I did it in 37 minutes. And he goes, wow. I said, five miles in 37 minutes. And he goes, I said, yep, five miles. I can't believe I did five miles. I can't believe I did five miles. And he goes, 5K is 3.1 miles, Greg. <laughs> I just did this. I said, here you go. I did not earn what I thought I earned. I said, man, I said, man, I thought, I thought I went the distance, Jeremy. I thought I went the distance. I thought, I thought, I thought I made it to where I was supposed to get to. And I got to admit, I was a little depressed after that because I'd already called my wife and my son and I called Jordan, and I called Neil, and I told him all, I did five miles in 37 minutes. They're just like, yeah. Now I got to come back and told him, uh, told you it was 5K. It's only 3.1 miles in a 5K, y'all. The race we run in life is just like that in everything that we do but it's totally different in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And now let me tell you something about my experience with running the race. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I really did, and I caught the bug. Um, I'm going to start training for another race soon, and I'm going to run it, um, but I'm not going to call anybody. I'm not going to invite anybody to race with me. I'm just going to really push for the mark. I'm going to try to do like a 10K or something like that to keep pushing the limit so I can get stronger, so I can get better, so I can get faster, so I can beat my own time. Because you see, in one of those kind of races, it's a marathon. And in a marathon race, you're really not trying to beat anybody. You're trying to beat your own time. You're trying to get stronger in who you are. You're trying to better qualify in the next race as to what you were in the prior race. You're trying to just increase your time. You're trying to increase your endurance. You're trying to increase your strength. You're trying to increase your stamina. All these things you're trying to increase, but it's against your own time. It's not to be called the number one winner in the race. And there's a reason why in the scriptures, Paul referred to this walk with Christ as a race. And I'm here to say, that I believe in today's day and age, in today's society, many will say that, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe that he did those things on the cross, but they won't enter the race. 
they'll stay back and stay outside of the race because they'll say these words. They'll say that it would be better and that I would rather not do anything significant for the kingdom of God for I would rather be perfect in potentiality rather than imperfect in reality. I'm going to say that again. Too many people will not enter the race because they will say that I won't be able to do anything significant for the kingdom of God for I would rather be perfect in potentiality rather than imperfect in reality. And that's the person that doesn't understand this thing called the race. So if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews 12. This scripture is so synonymous to the church, but I believe it's a place where we are as a body of believers. Hebrews 12, if you have your Bible, it's in the NLT up here on the screen. In many ways, we do this same thing daily about a race. We condition ourselves. We get ourselves ready. We get all of the equipment um, for work, maybe for a career, maybe for a job, maybe even for family life. But listen, it was never intended for us to do this by ourselves. Jesus Christ the true, the one and only Son of God who bore his sin, who bore his shame, who bore everything becoming our sin, but yet never sinned. Let me make sure I make that clear. I, I made a statement months ago, and I made it indicate that it sounded like Jesus became sin because he did something to sin. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never did anything wrong while he was on this earth, yet he became our sin. He bore our sin. He became our sin. He took our sin to hell, and then he said, I did that for you. I did that for you. I did that so that you could have life. I did that so that my work would continue on. I did that so that you would do the work of my Father and the will of my Father on this earth. And I did it so that you would understand how much I love you and how much I care about you, and why you were created. You were not created just to exist. You were not created just to walk around on this earth and be a great person. You were not created on this earth to be a great person in a job, or a great, or a great pastor, or a great student leader, or a great youth leader, or a great media specialist, or a great manager, or a great anything else, or a great mother, or a great father. But you were created in God, in his image, to be great in Jesus. To be great in Jesus. Hebrews chapter Chapter 13, verses 20, 21, and 22, in essence, are saying that Jesus isn't doing anything through the work of his own ways anymore, but he's doing it through you and I. He's not doing anything by twitching his nose. He's not doing anything by twinkling things. He's not speaking anything into existence anymore. He's doing it through you and I. So you and I have to get ready for the race. You and I have to, number one, we've got to enter the race. I believe that there are so many people that never will even enter the race. They'll never step in. You're going to get hurt. Listen, man, I'll tell you what. My biggest fear was what if one of those people knocks me down? What, they're going to knock me down. They're going to bowl me over. What happens if they knock me down? What happens if they run me over? What happens if I skin up my knees? What happens if I look foolish? What happens if I make a mistake and I knock one of them over? It's humiliating. But Jesus said, just keep your eyes focused on me. Just keep your eyes focused on me. And here's how he said it through Paul. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, 
and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you've not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. You haven't given them up. You're not dead yet is what he's saying. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those who he loves and he punishes each one as he accepts as his own child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember, God's treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and you're not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. And we are your church. And we've got so much that you've called us to do as a body of believers. There's so much that we have to do, God. There's so much that you've entrusted us to do. But we can't do it without you. We can't do it on our own. We've got masses of people that are still not going to church in Camden County. There are masses of people by our records and by the percentages that we see and the numbers that are coming out even here recently. And with everything that's happening around us, Father God, there are people that are going without food. There are people that are, are going without clothing. There are people that are without shelter. And you've called the church to be that person. You've called the church to be that shelter. You've called the church to be that food. And then we marry that together with the spiritual food of Jesus Christ, Father God, and life changes. But we can't do that, Father God, if we don't keep our minds focused on the race, if we don't keep our minds focused on what you've called us to do. Take your word right now. Break it down for us in our lives. God, let us just receive as individuals and then corporately as the church, as the body, how we're going to get to where you want us to go. It's the only way we've gotten to this very point. It's the only way we've gotten to this very moment to where you're doing the growing, you're doing the work, you're changing lives, you're bringing people into your fold because of how you call us. So call us today. Prepare us, stretch us, grow us, get us strong for the rest of the work that we have to do until your son Jesus returns for us. And I pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm not gonna lie to you folks. As soon as I got across that finish line, I, I felt euphoric. I felt so excited. I was jumping up for joy, and I was like, yes, I'm over there chowing down on bananas because I knew I had to do that because my training guide told me to. My training guide told me, if you don't eat potassium afterwards, you're going to have problems there, big guy. And so I'm, I'm not wanting to eat the bananas because I'm going, I feel so good. How could I want a banana? 
And the Marines are going, here, you're going to need this. You're going to need this. And I'm going, you don't know, bro. I feel so good. I feel like I just, man, you just don't know. And I still didn't know, remember, that I hadn't run five miles. <laughs> I was still feeling good. I'm going, yes. I'd already called my wife, and I said, man, I just ran five miles. I feel so good. She's going, really? Is this my husband? Are you alive? You're alive? I'm alive. And I feel so good. And we get in the car when it's all done, and I'm going, man, I still, I feel so good. I feel so pumped up. I feel so I, I want to do it again. Jeremy's like, you got the bug. You got the bug. And he goes, all right, but I need you to calm down. <laughs> what do you want me to calm down for? I'm so pumped up. I'm so excited. He goes, because you're going to feel it later. I was like, no, 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 no. Not the way I feel. But I feel so good. And so I get home, and I'm like, man, I don't know why I want to run around the house. You know, and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? I said, man, it's just euphoric. It makes you feel so excited. And listen, isn't that? Isn't that the way you felt the moment that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The moment that you knew that all of your sins were forgiven, you knew that everything from top to the bottom was emptied out. Jesus came in. He forgave you. He said, no conditions. It's all done. It's all under the blood. I have given you everything. I've given you brand new life. You don't have to worry about anything. Just keep your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes on me, and we're going to go through this just fine. Just keep your eyes on me. And you get so excited when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and then it seems like a few weeks down the road, a month down the road, two months down the road, a little bit of trouble comes into your life, and you're feeling, you're feeling like what I felt as soon as I got out of that race, man. About three hours after I've been home, I went, whoa, what was that? My wife goes, you okay? I was like, oh, I don't call 911 yet. I said, but something, something just popped in my knee. And I'm not kidding, y'all. I haven't been able to sleep for like five nights since the race because my knee's throbbing. It's just throbbing. It's going, winner, winner, winner. Remember, you're a winner. You're a winner. You're a winner. All that training, you're a winner. The training is what got you through the race, but the training doesn't prepare you for what's coming after the race. The training doesn't prepare you. You know what you got to do? You got to keep training. You got to keep running. You got to get back on the treadmill. You got you to oil up those joints. You got to take some glucosamine. You got to do something. You got to inject something in there, and you got to inject muscle. You've got to inject those natural things, those, those, those fluids that rush to the knee to, to repair it. And then you got you to rest it, and then you got to run it, and then you got to rest it, and then you got to run it. It's a race. It's a constant race if you're going to take care of your body. That's the physical body. Now let's talk about the spiritual body. The spiritual body has to be treated in similar fashion. Not exactly the same, but we're going to break it down just for a couple of minutes this morning. And I'm going to move pretty quickly, but I want you to understand the reason why this race has to be endured why this race, we have to be sure that we're ready to go the distance, and then we have to be sure that we're ready to win the race. We've got to go the distance, and we've got to win the race. Because it starts out in God's Word in Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, turn there with me, write it down, look back up on the screen if it's going to pop up there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Listen, stop right there. Let's read that real slow. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, the moment 
The moment that you declared that Jesus Christ was your Lord and Savior, the moment that you got baptized, you put the world around you on alert. You considered the cost. You said, yes, I want that salvation. So rich, so full, and so free. And let me hold us right there for one second. You need to be really careful this morning. If you've had one of those, come forward, pray, and get saved, and then just go back out and exist the way that you existed before experiences. That is not salvation. Salvation is a life that is surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ Everything about you becomes more and more like him. I didn't say just like him and perfect like him, but as Paul said, we're striving. We're striving. Every day we're striving to reach the mark. We're striving to get there. We're doing everything that we can do to get there. I never could have run, okay, 3.1 miles. I couldn't have gone the first mile if I just couldn't have got myself ready. If I wasn't ready for it, I never would have made it. They would have chewed me up, swallowed up, and I had already had it. Listen, I already had it in my mind to walk it. I thought, man, my goal is to get to the mile mark, and after that, if I can't do it, I'll just walk it. I'll just walk it. Wrong perspective. Wrong perspective. Now, here's one good thing that did happen. Sometimes there's some surprises along the way that God does for you, and he shows you that you've hit a mile marker, and he shows you where you've been strengthened, and he shows you where you're strong. And it was there at that three-mile marker that I thought I had two more miles to go. And really, I had one-tenth of a mile left to go. And when I saw that finish line, I was like, this is cool. And I was a little confused. I don't know if it was something they put in the Gatorade. I don't know if it was that asphyxia thing because I wasn't breathing real good. I'm like, how do you? Where's the oxygen table? Where's that at? And I'm running by, and I'm doing all, and I'm like, you know, and I'm thinking, what if I had two more miles to go? And, you know, I hit the one-tenth of a mile, and I go, I'm home free. And I don't know why in my mind I thought, that ain't five miles. It said three-mile mark. Why did I think I ran five miles? I guess me and 5K just think that's the way it is. And I was just thinking it was a certain way. And I think that we as believers, when we come into this walk with Jesus Christ, we think that it's the way that we call the shots. We think it's the way we want it to be. We think in our mind, but if we will read God's word and we will study it and we will get on our face and we will fellowship with believers and stretch each other and iron, sharpening iron, we will get to where God has called us to go instead of missing it. I think we're missing it. I think we miss it more often than we get it. We're missing it because here's what he goes on to say. He's talking about the great, the great crowd of witnesses. Do you know that the people that are around you are looking in your life saying, I want to be a believer. Show me what a believer looks like. I want to be a believer. They're watching you. They're looking at you. Just the way they were looking at me in that pathetic race. I, I came in halfway and they were looking at me like, poor guy, he's never done this before, has he? He's never done this before, has he? And listen, that's okay because it was my first race and I'm okay with it. And I'm not, look, I'm not looking for the number one spot. I don't want to ever be number one in a race. I just want to continue to improve. I just want to continue to improve. I just want to continue to get better. I just want to continue to get stronger. At the age of 48 years old, it's the first time I've ever had the courage to get into a race. And I think we're there spiritually as, as Christians. We're afraid to engage. We're afraid to get hurt. 
We put up all those shields and we protect ourselves. I'll just stay over here. And I preached a message last week about forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. And I think it's out of fear that too many people won't come together and get involved in the church because they're afraid they're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Do you ever get hurt in your family? Have you ever said anything off the wall to your loved one and hurt each other and had to come back and say, I'm sorry? You're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Nobody told me I was going to get hurt in the race. I wish they would have. And I'm hurting. This knee's driving me insane. I'm trying to wear a knee brace, and I get this sharp pain going in there. You're going to get hurt if you engage in life, if you engage in Christianity, if you engage in the church. We are a, listen, we're people. All we like sheep have gone astray. We're going to make mistakes. You don't pull out of the race. You don't pull out of the race. You keep going and getting over that hump and getting over that hurdle. Because there's a great, huge crowd of witnesses to this life of faith that we have. And if we quit, they never get started. Listen to me, church. If we quit, they never get started. Do you know how many churches are folding even right this very moment? There are doors that are closing on churches all across this country. It should not be so, but it was because they couldn't come into agreement to disagree or get to a place of agreeing when God was in the middle of it or go through life and put a patch on it and pray through it until God could show them the right way. They just quit. They just gave up. And the world was watching. And so the world says, I'm better off here. I'm better off at home. I'm better off at home. This way I don't get hurt. And here's what he said. Let us strip off every weight, verse number one, that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now, I'm not wearing the shorts that I wore that day because they're kind of flimsy looking. I was a little uncomfortable in them. Not a big silk guy. And so I got my little socks on. You know, I got my ankle socks on and I got my, I got my silk shorts on and I got the, I got the shirt because it lets the air flow through and I'm, you know, my, my clothes weigh all about two ounces. And uh, I got the, I got the Sakani. These are so lightweight, man. Right after a service... I was going to see if I could get about 50 of y'all to line up right there in a the line. I was going to jump y'all because these shoes make me feel like Superman. Y'all into that? You good for that? Raise your hand if you volunteer. Way to go, Don. You're the only. Well, the youth, the youth know me, so they're just like, yeah, let's do this. It's that stuff that weighs you down. It's that stuff that you say, I've crossed the line of faith in Jesus Christ. I, I have taken on some baggage. I've taken back some of the stuff that I left at the foot of the cross. And it says, you won't find it up on the screen, but I'm going to refer to um, 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 25. If you want to look it up in your Bibles and join with me, we read this. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you know, do you know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run so that you may obtain it. 
every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable one, we are going for the crown of life. We are trying to bring as many people into salvation as we can, the crown of life. We are going for the crown of life, and when we get it, what are we going to do with it? It's imperishable. It lasts forever, and when we get to our Savior's feet, we will not wear it proudly. We will humbly take it off of our head and lay it at his feet and say, I did this for you. I did this for you because of what you did for me. You gave your life on Calvary. You shed your blood. You took on and you looked like sin for me. You did it for me. And now I do it for you. Now I do it for you. Get your eyes focused, church. Focus on him. We've got so far to go together. We've got this thing called life we have to conquer. It ain't over till you're dead. There's too much life to live. It isn't over till you're dead. And the way some of us go sometimes, we're on the brink of death, but God says you ain't going home yet till you get it right. I'm not bringing you home until you get it right. You've got to get it right because I've put people in your life that I want you to influence to come to salvation in me. Don't you look at me, church, and say that I can withdraw if I want to. I can play it and make up my rules as I want to. You can't do it. God, hold your reins now. You surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to him. You don't belong to you anymore. And when I got in that race last Saturday, you know who I belonged to? I belonged to that crowd. Didn't even hit me until I got in there. I belong to that crowd, y'all. You know why? Because if we don't work together, if we weren't together, we were going to trip over each other. You got to know how to do it, man. They were showing me. I was like, how'd you do that? I'm running. I'm going, how do you do it? I mean, they're bobbing and weaving in between people. I'm like, man, if I tried that, it'd be like bowling. It'd be the first strike I ever got. I'd, I'd take out a whole half a block of people. They'd just fall down. I figured it out. It really was a great mental picture for me. God showed me, you've got to do this with everybody. Everybody's got to be in. We all got to be on the same page. We've all got to be in the race together. We're coming apart at the seams, church. Christianity is coming apart. And so we do this, verse number two, by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, because he initiates and perfects our faith. He does it. We don't do it. He does it. While you're being faithful, he's perfecting your faith. He's perfecting my faith. He's making me stronger for the next thing that's kind of come in my life. How many of y'all ever had trouble in your life? How many of y'all ever had a huge mountain in the way? How many, man, we just, we just, we want to go around it, but God says, no, 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 you've got to go through it because I've got something better for you on the other side of it. You have to go through it. You've got to go through it. You've got to go through it. Oh, my goodness. This race taught me some things. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Now, there's a picture right there for us. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. And now it's our cross. It's our cross to bear. It's our cross. It's our cross. 
Paul said to pick up your cross. Pick it up. Pick it up and follow me. Pick it up. Don't drag it along. Pick it up. And if you need some help, somebody will be there to help pick it up with you. Pick it up. Because the joy that comes is what waits on us when we get to heaven. And it'll be these words. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Well done. But there's another banner up there in heaven. Somewhere in that realm. Most likely can't be theologically inside the gates. It's got to be somewhere on the outside of the gate that says, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Now let me ask you a question. If I ran that race and I cut through three or four different streets and came back in onto the course and then tried to finish the line, did I come in the right way? No, that's a no-brainer. Now apply that to our lives as Christians. There's only one way. There's only one way, and his name is Jesus Christ. And now, because he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm going I'm to say it again. You're going to get hurt. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to fall off the horse. Right, Doug? You're going to fall off the horse, get back on it. Have you gotten back on the horse? Okay. You got to get back. Next time I'm going to ask somebody else if you've ridden a horse falling off, got back on it. Way to go, Doug. But thank you for not lying in church. Oh, okay. Praise Jesus. You got to get back up. You got to get in the race. You got to get in the race. After all, after all, you and I have not given our lives. We haven't given our lives for the struggle of sin. We haven't made that sacrifice. He did it for us. And I think sometimes we like to put ourselves in that place. You have your Bible, Psalm 121. One through eight reads this. This race that we're in is not a sprint, it's a marathon. You got the day you're born, and you got the day that you die, and the only one that knows those dates are God. You got a dash in between, and it's a marathon. It's a marathon, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, one day at a time. And here's what it says in Psalm 121, one through eight. I lift up my eyes to the hills, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade, and he's on your right hand. He is your comfort. And so now we've got to win no matter what. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. I have fought well. I have finished the race. I have been faithful. So a crown will give to me for pleasing the Lord. He judges fairly, and on the day of judgment, he will give a crown to me and to everyone else who wants to appear with power. Now I'm going to ask you a question. What power are you under? What power are you under? 
Are you under your own power? Or are you under the blood of Jesus Christ's power? Bow your heads for a moment. Just for a moment. The worship team is going to come and get in place. Just want to ask you a question. Really, just a question. God has tremendously done some incredible things, and I believe that everyone in this room is here by divine appointment, not by anything that Restoration Church or any man can do. It's by God and his appointment. I don't want anybody looking. I want everybody's eyes closed. Just listen to this for one second. First of all, have you given your life to Jesus Christ? And I do believe that many in the room would say, yes, yes, I have. Okay, then the second question is this. Have you taken anything back? The day that you gave Jesus Christ your entire life, you gave everything up. You gave it all to him. And I want you to understand this. If you didn't do that on that day that you said you got saved, then do it today. If you said, I want to be saved of my sin, I want you to come into my life, Jesus Christ, I want you to save me, I want your blood applied to my life, I want forgiveness for all my sin, but yet you held on to something and said, well, I'm going to continue to live in this, I'm going to continue to live this way, I'm going to not let my testimony do this, I'm going to live this, I'm going to live that way, then, then you didn't surrender everything. <laughs> you did not surrender everything. And I'm not, I'm not here this morning to, to figure all that out for you. I can't. But you were there, and you know what happened. And this morning you know whether you've given your life to Christ or not. And you also know the things, you could probably write a list right now. If we took out a piece of paper, you could write a list right now of the things that you've taken back, the things that you've taken back control of. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. And I try to take charge, or I try to take control of things that I said I surrendered to God. And God says, nope, that's why he chastens those whom he loves like a son. He says, I'm going to have to spank you over this, but it's because I love you. You know, when your mom, when you were little, spanked you and said, this hurts me more than it hurts you. You've been there. You know, that's biblical. God, it hurts God. It hurts him to have to do that, but he loves us so much that he says, this is what I'm going to do because you're one of my children. And praise God for it because it's the evidence that we have in our lives that God is right there. He's right there. He's sitting right there. He's right there in your life. And so if you've taken anything back in your life, if you have habits, if you have control, if you have attitudes, God, if you have sin, if you have anything that's coming into your life, just give it back to him today. That's it. Just give it back to him today. We're all tempted by the same things. We all get sucked back in to some of the same stuff, some of the same garbage. It's the enemy. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to render you useless because he knows in the name of Jesus there's power in it and it changes lives and it transforms people's lives and it takes those that are brokenhearted, those that are shattered, those that are broken, and Jesus restores all that. So give it back to him today. Just give it back to him today. And maybe you're here for the first time say, I've really never given it to him. I never really have. I walked an aisle and I prayed this prayer, but I've, I've never walked with Christ. Give him your life today. Right now, just give him your life. Run the race. Run it for endurance. Run it to win it. And think of all the people that you will influence in your life for Christ. It's no longer about Greg Gardell. It's no longer about Cindy Gardell. It's no longer about Doug Martins. It's no longer about Tim Harris. It's no longer about Kevin Morris. It's about Jesus Christ. <laughs>
Oh, man. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for these people. Every single person in this room is precious to you. <laughs> and they are precious to me and to this body. Thank you, God. Now with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, just raise your hand if God spoke to you today. Just raise it. He spoke to me, Pastor. He spoke to me loud and clear. His word spoke to me. Just say, yeah, he spoke to me. He spoke to me loud and clear. He was talking directly to me. I'm not asking you to raise your hand to get saved. I'm not asking you to recommit your life. I'm, looking, I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. I'm just asking you, did he speak to you today? He sure spoke to me. My hand's up. He spoke to me loud and clear. He said, Greg, you got to run the race. You got to trust me, Greg. You're not in charge of this church. I am. <laughs> I love that one. Jesus is in charge of the church. Jesus is the pastor. Put your hands down. Is there anybody in the room that says, I want to receive Jesus Christ today, right now, as my Lord and Savior? I've never done it. I want him as my Lord and Savior right now. Just a couple of seconds. Not going to push anybody into anything. Okay. Is there anybody in the room right now? Just raise your hand by saying, you know, I received Christ, but I've taken a lot back. I give it all back to him right now. Raise your hand. I give it all back to him right now. I've taken a lot back. I've taken, yes, good for you. Good for you. That's right. That's where we're at. That's where we get sometimes. I give it all back to him right now. Right now, I give it all back to him. And I want you to understand that when you leave this room, you can still have that conversation with God. It doesn't have to happen in this room. You might be somewhere by yourself driving in a car. You say, you know what? I need to give you my life right now, Father. Right now. Pull your car over, please. And just cry out to God. Maybe you're in the room right now and you say, there's some stuff, man. It's just, I've taken back. I've gotten myself into some messes. You know what I'm going to tell you? Just surrender. Just give it to God. You can do it. You can do it in private. You don't have to do it in here. You can do it in private, but you better do it. Because he loves you. And he's got a life for you. He loves you. And he's got a life for you. Now look this way. Thank you for listening to this message. If you would like to connect with Restoration Church, you can do so by visiting our Facebook page, Restoration Camden, or also our church website, www.restorationcamden.com. There you will find all of our contact information, including current ministries, sermons and teachings, serving opportunities, upcoming events, and outreaches. If you would like to get in touch with our pastors concerning a prayer request or a special need you'd like us to attend to, please feel free to do so. Also, Please feel free to share this sermon. We just ask that you do not alter the content in any way. God bless you, and thank you for listening.